What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Daily Energy News Beat Stand-Up here on this gorgeous Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. As always, I am your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com, Stuart Turley. My man, how we doing today? Hey, it's a beautiful day in your neighborhood. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to all the Russians that hit our website over the weekend. We had 35,000 people from Russia hit the website. 35,000 people from Russia? Oh, yeah. I don't know what I did. I was trying to, I think they were on the page where I was imitating Putin. I'm not sure. They may be. Are you prepping for a run for Russian president? Uh, no, I'm ethical. <laughs> no but we do appreciate all of the traffic some of the numbers Stu tells me i'm gonna be honest i don't even believe but i mean it's true it's just kind of crazy to think about the reach and that's all due to you guys we appreciate it we have a absolutely stacked show for you guys tonight first up on the menu de-dollarization kicks into high gear um as much as that sounds like a stewism this is a great article talking about how basically divesting from the dollar around the world and the global consequences and really what that means for oil. If you have a chance, look at the cover art on it. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, next up, energy, quote, better positioned for any kind of recession, according to analysts. And this is a, a Wells Fargo piece from for, for our, a Yahoo Finance piece from Wells Fargo analyst who is, who is really looking at what, what these earnings mean um, in energy. It's a good read. We'll cover that. Next up, California might require bi-directional charging capabilities in EVs. Stu will give us an update on uh, always what's new coming Coming out of the EV, EV markets in California, they're really set in the blaze. Exxon Mobil will be picky over potential acquisitions as they should. Um, this is a great Bloomberg article diving into um, really what as what's emerging is Exxon being probably the chief chief acquirer in what will probably be a hot M&A market as we move into the next earnings season. And finally, how Al Gore has made $330 million with climate alarmism. Former VP made a fortune after losing to George W. when he set up a green investment fund now worth $36 billion that pays him $2 million a month as he warns about rain bombs and boiling oceans. That has to be a title you created, Stu. Did you edit that title? I did not. That's one of the few that I did not edit. It wow. Was too good. So uh, there's not much to explain, but Al Gore getting a lot of money. So Stu will dive into what's what's going on there. He'll toss it over to me. Um, I'll quickly cover what happened um, in the oil and gas markets and overall financial markets. Um, for that matter, considering First Republic Bank has um, been taken over by JP Morgan or proposed oil down to 75.65, basically flat on the day. Natural gas down a little bit, $2.30. And then quickly, I will cover back to Exxon. They're rolling out a new trading business. It's been in the works since 2018, but this this is you know quarter two or quarter three, quarter four of 2023 will probably be their first actual foray into into this. So uh, they had some pretty interesting comments. I, I thought it'd be interesting to cover. I'm um, following their earnings, and then we'll let you get out of here and get back to work. But before we do that, guys, all of the stories we're about to cover are courtesy the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com. Hit the description below. You can find links to all of the articles. You can see timestamps. Our team does a great job of making sure that's up to speed. Dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for your data and energy news combined. Stu does a great job of making sure all of the stories get piped into that. Make sure you get that while you still can. You never know when it might go behind some subscription wall. Again, www.energynewsbeat.com. Stu, I'm out of breath. I need a drink of water. Where do you want to begin? 
Well, let's start right here. And uh, the de-dollarization kicks into high gear. Michael, I've been talking about this for a little while, and I love your comment on that picture. We got us some gangsters. I mean, we got us uh, President Z, we got Putin, and they all got them uh, really Aviators. It's those aviator glasses. Yeah, the Avery, uh, except they look good in them. President Biden, not so much. He looks like he's could be eating an ice cream cone with his head. Okay. Now it's established that the U.S. dollar status is the global reserve currency is eroding. It is now a mm-hmm. fact. Let's go down here a little bit further. Over 70% of the trade deals between Russia and China now use either the ruble or the wand, mm-hmm. according to Russian finance minister Anton Slavon. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Let's come around the corner on this. Russia and India are trading in rupees. Less than four weeks ago, Banco Bomb. BBM became the first Latin American bank to sign up as a direct participant in the cross-border interbank system, CIPS, which is the Chinese alternative to SWIFT. I told you, wait till you see the BRICS uh, credit card for consumers coming out. I will, I, again, as much patting on the back as we do, you called this months ago that this stuff was coming. It's finally here. And it'll be interesting to see what the actual fallout is. You know, I think obviously Stu is a doom and gloom guy. I'm somewhere in the middle of doom and gloom and it's not great. Um, I'm probably a little bit more on the not great than doom and gloom, but it is not great. There's no two ways around it. The fact that the dollar is now no longer being traded for oil means that the United States just has that much less of a bargaining chip when right. it comes to global affairs. And you can argue whether or not that is good or bad, but what it means is that change is coming. Right. And for some things, it might be good. Trust me, every other country has existed without being the global currency to think that we're going to fall apart because they're right. trading in, in the one is slightly misguided. But it means that we have, we just become basically a background character. We become an NPC, a non-player character in the affairs. You know, you, you, you know what I mean? We just become another country that falls in line and really can't do anything. We become Argentina. We become Brazil. Oh. Uh, or Turkey with 78%, um, you know, higher uh, inflation. Here's uh, one of the things. The British pound sterling 100 years ago was the uh, reserve currency of the world. Yep. They haven't fallen off by the wayside. Uh, they did produce the Beatles. I mean, they did still have some relevant, uh, but we had to bail them out of several wars. Yep. So, you know, who's going to bail us out? Okay, let's go to here. This is one of the last ones here, dude. With um, uh, there was one other one here. Or no, France is now buying uh, the deal between Russia and Bangladesh for the construction of the Rupert nuclear plant will also bypass the U.S. dollar. The first 300 million payment will be in one, but Russia will try to switch to the next one to rubles. So here's the thing. I mean, we've lost a lot of street cred when it comes to this. Anyway, let's get off of this and go to something more fun. Okay, energy. Better positioned for any kind of recession, analyst says. Michael, uh, I'm seeing this all over the place. Investors are calling and asking, and they're saying things like, what in the world do we do? 
it's energy, baby. You know, it's all about energy. And Chevron, Exxon post robust Q1 profits despite falling gas. They're still got the profits. And for the ones that are good management, good numbers, like you and I have always said, they're good investments. Um, there's a couple quotes in here that are just fabulous. Roger Reed says, always a tough question to answer for the company or for us. So I think if you look at what's typically made M&A work in this space, it's more often occurred during a time of stress, meaning low commodity prices or other uh, extraneous event that for reasons creates mergers. It doesn't mean it can't happen. We just would be saying watch for those moments as opposed to just waking up one day and seeing everything. You know, what this is saying is uh, last year, the Dow uh, Occidental was number one on the Dow on their uh, Dow exchange. So when you sit back and take a look, Oxy number one, you know, that's only one investment. You have 50% of the EMP operators in the U.S. Uh, are privately held. They're good investments as well. But you have real estate, Michael, coming around the corner. Um, I was watching Maria Bartolomo this morning and the real estate in San Francisco and um, New York, I think it was 48% is now vacant of commercial space. There is going to be a lot of commercial people looking to get out. So what you're going to see is a run on minerals. You're going to see a run on things with passive income. Anyway, I'm sorry for rolling on that, but I thought this was incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he accurately points out, and I thought, you know, um, Roger Reed, he's a Wells Fargo analyst, so think think what you want about about their ability to predict. But I think he 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 poses what I think is the right way to think about an Exxon Mobil from X, you know, a a perspective of M and A, because really what they're talking about is. You know, while all these other things are crashing, where possibly should companies be looking at in terms of energy M&A? Well, when you're looking for an acquisition, are you looking for future drilling sites or more of a decarbonization play, which I think is key? There's two driving forces that are going to keep energy high. Obviously, exactly. commodity prices, and that goes into the future drilling locations, but then also the decarbonization for all the stuff that's going on in the Inflation Reduction Act. Who says there's not an Inflation Reduction Act, too? And all of a sudden, CCUS is thrown in there. Um, it, here's the thing. There's absolutely zero reason to fight the clowns. And, you know, fighting the clown, great, let them do it. Go make some money. And then you know, punch them in the nose or squeak their nose or squeak the horn later and just go put your money where you can make money. And it's in natural gas, nuclear, uh, modular nuclear. Watch. All you got to do is watch out for yourself. All right, let's go. Let's to go to California. What's next? Oh, dude, just poke me in the nose. This is absolutely hoot. California might require bi-directional charging uh, uh, capability in EVs. And the picture on this for our podcast listeners, uh, there's a guy out in front. Uh, I mean, he's a good looking, tough kind of guy. His wife is behind him trying to pick up branches. And you yep. see the Ford F-150 in the garage powering the house. Ooh, 
that's about a 15 minute burn on a house. I mean, you can, if you can't drive 150 miles in a Ford one. Yeah, I mean, how many screens you got hooked up in your man? Exactly. I'd run that cave for about 20 minutes and then he would be shut off. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm like dead meat. I need a fleet of these bad dogs. Yep. Uh, so anyway, I just got really tickled at this. And then California rule in line with this article, California rule passed Friday, Michael, passed Friday that new California rule will ban diesel trucks by 2036. It's passed. Really <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Okay. Uh, how Al Gore has made 330 million with climate alarmism. Former VP made a fortune after losing to George W. when he set up green investment firm now worth 300, three, 336 billion that pays him 2 million a month as he warns about rain bombs and boiling oceans. Michael, I missed my calling. And for our podcast listeners, the picture of him, when you take a look at it, this is going to be uh, important on a couple quotes. Look at the picture, Michael. Looks like Al Gore is out over his skis. He is on a ski jump and he has just taken off uh, from this thing. I mean, look at that. He, uh, he's. He's an amazing man. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's go down here, though. It's at the at World Economic Forum. And uh, let's see. He's been at the forefront of green technology investment. Gore's company generation uh, pays him $2 million. We talked about that. Let's come down here. They, the firm between 2008 and 2011, the firm generated roughly $218 million in profits to be split between its 26 partners. As founder, Gore likely had a large stake in the profit. The firm owns millions of shares in companies such as Amazon, Microsoft, Google's parent Alphabet, and Char uh, Charles Schwab. Oh, he was also standing there at the... World Economic Forum by Charles Schwab. Okay. Gore's Democratic Party ties are also, uh, never mind, not who, I don't want to get into politics because they're all evil. And we come down really feel. Huh? Oh, tell us how you really feel. No, I mean, I think, I think, you know, it's pretty clear that Al Gore, whether you agree with climate alarmism or not, clearly we don't agree with it. He's, he's, he's clear. He's clearly out over his skis. He is profited tremendously from this. And he has a huge conflict of interest as he moves forward in this space. So if you're taking what a guy like Al Gore is saying seriously, right. God help you. There's nothing I can do. There's no convincing I can do that if if you can't, if you if if you can't see the irony in. Okay, I'm I, I gotta rework my billing. It says here in the article, Gore also nets at least two hundred thousand per speaking engagement. My billable for consulting service is only three fifty an hour. So I I'm really cheap, Michael. You know, yeah, I so think you need to up your rate is what I'm I gotta hearing. up my rate, baby. Uh, you know, I'm a comedian slash uh consultant here. Anyway. All right. Hey, off to you here, dude. Yeah, I think there's 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 two real things I think to cover. First, the overall finance market SMP was flat at about four tenths of a, or about four tenths of a percentage point down. Nasdaq down about a tenth of a percentage point. First Republic being taken over by J.P. Morgan Chase. The great bank consolidation is underway. Um, I you know we could spend probably all time all all of this segment talking about what happened. I think I think this is just a the la unfortunately the lack of regulation. The laziness of regulators has led them to get what they 
ultimately want, which is only for banks to have to regulate. I mean, this comes down to just them being lazy, them not doing the regular, not them not doing their job as regulators to ensure that small and mid-sized banks are doing what they should be doing. And basically creating this era of bank consolidation to the point where they'll only have three to four. I mean, you know, three to four banks to do. I mean, it'd be a great gig if I cannot do my job. And the outcome of me not doing my job is that I'll in the future have to do less of my job. Sign me up. So I'm putting my name out there for US banking regulator. Please call me up. I'm definitely interested. You couldn't um, do it, Michael. Michael, you could not do it. You've got ethics. You could <laughs> not do it. Maybe. Um, Oil prices, guys, stayed fairly flat. We're only up to 75.63 um, on crude oils. We record this about 6.42 the night before here on Monday. Natural gas prices up to $2.31. I mean, not much on, you know, we'll start in natural gas if only because that weekend weather data did sort of maintain a little bit of a demand drop to, to, to light to very light, according to Nat Gas Intel for May 7th through the 15th. Remember, we look about a week out for how natural gas prices are looked. So whether a week out is really what matters. Um, we are going to see you know, if there's a potential for some storage builds over about 100 BCF, which is not gonna not gonna do anything good um, to prices here at this point. So hopefully they stand they stand fairly firm there. I think the other interesting thing to 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 point out is Exxon Mobil. They're getting back into the really are getting into the global trading game. We know that in, you know in 2018 they announced officially that they were getting into the trading game. Nothing really happened. Um, they they kind of just laying around, lounge around, lounge around. COVID came, obviously screwed everything up, but now they are officially back in business. It was announced on their June 1 earnings call that come quarter three, quarter four, they will have a fully up and running trading arm. You know, really what this is, is, I mean, what they saw was a lot of money get made by BP. They saw a lot of money get made by Shell. They saw a lot of money get made by these companies that were able to use their deep knowledge of the market and use their proprietary data sets. Cause you know, trust me, who has the best data sets on oil and gas flows throughout the country? It's midstream companies and, you know, downstream producers. If you have all three and upstream, but you have all three, you've got a pretty good view of what's going on. I mean, you know, basically the quote from Darren Woods was the new combination would quote further integrate the value chains to get the company a really streamlined and good view of the marketplace. Hmm. Yeah. Here's this quote. We think this makes a lot of sense. We did a lot of work over the last couple of years to validate that the opportunity size was there. What would we need to get after that? And now we're putting the organization together, putting in the supports and bringing in talent, developing the talent and growing talent in that space. You know, this is not about going out and taking speculative positions. This is about going on optimizing, given the asset base, given the value chain and the opportunities that come with those insights and transacting. But if you do want to start a prop desk, Darren Woods, my number, and you can find my contact info in the description below. Stu and I will start a little prop fund for you and we will put a little speculative trades in there because I've got some ideas and some models you might be interested in. I found this interesting, Stu. Um, they're going to trade all, all up and down the entire length of the value chain. Um, they're arbitrage between markets. This will be, I thought this was interesting. I noticed this, the the woman who was tapped to run this, let me pull this up here. At first glance, you're like, huh? Tracy Gunsis, I don't know what, Gunslogan, but she's, she's the chief human resources officer, which is kind of crazy. Tapped to run the new trading business? 
But wow. you have to remember, look, here's the background. Initially joined Exxon Shipping in 91 as a U.S. merchant marine deck officer and became manager of the U.S. product supply operations by 2004. Wow. Also previously served as a commercial operations manager and pipelines for a Calgary subsidiary, Imperial Oil. Knows her way around the business, so probably a good move wow. to bring in. Nice to have on your HR deck just to bring over to run your trade what? unit. That's hey. an overqualified HR. That's probably one of the most overqualified HR people I've ever met. I want to get her on the podcast because she would be diamond. Di- I want to know what her career was like. Very interesting. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, so Exxon rolling out the trading business. Anything else, Stu? Yeah, just real quick. I, I would not want that kind of business uh, going into EMP midstream and downstream because when you have the class one, class two and class three uh Carbon taxes coming around the corner. Mm. If you scope three emissions, scope three, scope one emissions. You own all three. You are ho ho hosed in the words of Ron White. Anyway, yeah, no kidding. So it, uh, it's a great day. Oh yeah, uh, what do you think the feds are going to raise again on Wednesday? Yeah, they will. I think they're going to go up twenty five basis points, but um, we'll see what happens. But um, we will dive into all of that tomorrow, guys. With that, we're going to let you get out of here, get back to work. We appreciate you checking us out. For Stuart Charlie, I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.